and welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting with Barney Stevenson. So it's time to get festive, fully. Hello, 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 and welcome to the fifth episode of Series 8 of the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. As always, if you like what you hear, do let a friend know and make sure to subscribe lest you missed one of our valuable weekly episodes. And you can visit our lovely website at watfordjazzjunction.com whenever you like, including, as you all know, to book tickets to hear Tony Kofi play on the 12th of February uh, his portrait of Cannonball Adderley. And what better Christmas present? Now, to business. Today, I am joined by the artistic director of a jazz festival described as one of the UK's most adventurous festivals. It's the Marsden Jazz Festival, and it's put on loads and loads of fantastic jazz over the years, and it survived lockdown in 2020 and roared back into life in October this year. It can only be Barney Stevenson. Barney, hello. How are you? Hello. Hello, Chris. I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's very exciting. And no one will see this, but I have to reference the fact that you and I look quite similar. We have full sporting heads of hair. Glowing beards and shiny foreheads. Whoa, 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 whoa! Well, I had makeup at my end. That's that's that's, that's your bad. Um, so, are you in Marsden as we speak? And actually, for those who haven't a clue, where is Marsden? I am um, in Marsden. So, Marsden—that's that's that's the good opening question. Marsden is um, pretty much at the top of the Pennines. Um, if you were to draw a line from Leeds to Manchester. Um, where it crosses the Pennines, you will find Marston. So the nearest town is Huddersfield. Um, we are very well placed um, in terms of access. So the, the main train line from Manchester to Leeds um, passes through Marston um, and we have a, a station. So um, it is we have a, a very easy public transport access to two major cities and Sheffield not much further away, but slightly more complicated to get to by train. Um, so we're surrounded by um, moorland, sheep. The sheep um, wander freely through the village, um, which which causes great amusement for people who are not used to it. But for those of us who live here, it's um, not so much fun to have your plants nibbled and eaten eaten and, and left on the ground in your gardens and so on. Um, so yeah, we, we, it's, a, it's a kind of, it's a former mill village and yeah. the, the main industry was um, woolen um, spinning and weaving um, and, uh, and and now it's a, a, a very popular place for people to move to because um, it's so easily commutable to lead to Manchester of course. Amazing. So I mean I'm getting this beautiful picture of a, a pastoral scene, Arcadian nonetheless. Um, so how on mm. earth did you all end up running a jazz festival? Where, where did that come from? Well, that's a very, very interesting question. So the building I'm sitting in yeah. right now is um, called Marsden Mechanics. Um, so um, it is a. It was built as a mechanics institute. So it was a, an adult educational institute that was built in. I think it was the eighteen sixties. It was first. Um, the, this building was opened, although the institute existed in another yeah. location before that. Um, and uh, it was, you know, to educate um, people uh, in sort of engineering skills and so on that would that, that were suitable for the industry um, in this area. Um, so the building, um, yeah, mate, so it's an impressive stone-built building with lovely sort of stone porticos, lots of lots of nice architectural features on the outside. Um, but by the 1980s, it was in a parlous mm. state um, and it was owned by Kirkley's council who wanted to demolish it. 
Um, but there was a, a big campaign to save the building um, and raise funds, raise funds to re, re, refurbish it. Um, and it was reopened in 1991 as a community building. Um, and there were quite a lot of people involved um, in the building at the time. And they wanted to do something that would benefit the whole community. Um, and so the idea of a festival appeared. Now, rather than sort of starting with a predilection of uh, uh, that they already had, they thought, actually, no, let's look at what what's a gap in the market in this area. And they did some research and spotted, you know, there's a sort of arts festival in Home Firth, um, contemporary music festival in Huddersfield, but nobody was doing a jazz festival in this area. So they picked jazz and then had to seek um, skills and advice as to uh, as to programming because they didn't have those skills in, in the people that were involved. So they brought brought people in um, with those skills and, and and started a jazz festival. So and that and that piece of that clever bit of sort of market research has kind of benefited us ever since really. Um and, and really we're we're still the only significant multi-venue festival um in the Yorkshire area. Um other other festivals have kind of arisen um, more recently, there's a there's a Leeds mm. Just Festival that that, that that has happened a couple of times, um, but we're long established, and in fact, we're one of the longest established jazz festivals in the UK. We've been going since our first edition was 1992, um, and so I think we're one year older than London Jazz Festival, and two or three years older than Manchester Jazz Festival. So we, we're kind of a a senior citizen in the, in the jazz festival world. So you've got your thirtieth next year. That's very exciting. Yes, it is our, our, our 30th festival. It would have been our 30th yeah. festival this year. We, we didn't have a, a live festival in, in 2020. Um, we did something else. I can talk about that later on if you like. Um, but, um, but yeah, well, okay. If you, uh, we, what we did last year was to take advantage of our beautiful surroundings. So Marsden is surrounded by moorland and, and hills um, that are managed by the National Trust and yeah. further afield the Peak District National Park um, and we, we're, we're blessed with lots of incredible views and locations so we took musicians out onto the moors and recorded um, in high quality audio and video um, artists playing out in on location in the, in the, in the moors um, including taking a grand piano up. up, up yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a crazy type of thing you expect the Swiss to do or yeah, something. Yeah. It's going on in Yorkshire. Yes, yeah, but yeah, quite. We, yeah, we thought, you know, why not? Um, and um, <laughs> so we did five um, days on location and created a project called Chronotope. Um, um, Chronotope is a word that means both time and talks about time and place. So it, it was called, we called it Chronotope, music in a different time and place. And we put all that out on YouTube over the course of about five months um, in 2020. But we actually brought it back to the live festival as a uh, an immersive installation. So we had a sort of multi-channel 360 degree audio um, and, and 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 three video screens um, and 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 put the music on upstairs in the mechanics hall because um, because we the festival we came back with this year was much altered. Um, in order to sure. remain a viable pros- uh, prospect during the, the, the year of recovery from COVID. Yeah, in 2020, the London Jazz Festival mm. streamed uh, an awful lot of shows. I think they, they got up to almost 100 in the end, but they would normally put on 300 shows. I'm interested as well in how digital has impacted you, not as a sort of new phenomenon, but more on the fact that obviously in the last 18 months, 
people have become yeah. much more savvy and familiar with digital, mm. watching stuff online. How have you found the balance now you've sort of returned with with wanting to keep music live and put it on in the really amazing places that are, you know, that fill Marsden and make it what it is, whilst at the same time scratching that digital mm. itch? Um, so the one thing we start, another thing we started last year in 2020 um, was our own podcast, um, and that has continued. Oh, let's let's plug it proper. Where do we find it? Mars and Jazz podcast on, on all the platforms it's syndicated to. So you can get it on Spotify, Apple Music, Woo-woo. Google Podcasts, everywhere. Just just look, or, or even on our website. There's an embedded player on our website. But just look up the Mars and Jazz Festival podcast wherever you would normally listen to your podcasts. Um, and uh, that's been a really um, lovely experience to, to have time to go deeper you know talking to artists um talking about our approach to the festival um and and going into a lot more detail um of of the sort of mindset that we bring Mm. and then sorry i'm going backwards and forwards but just back to the chronotope uh project um how did that go down how was it received and consumed i i've I've seen it on your website so it's still clearly part of the offering uh but it it just sounds fantastic it's the type of thing that makes you go "Ooh, i want to watch that yeah. Well, interestingly, um, we did some market research um, sort of yeah. over last winter, um, and uh, the 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 segment of people that were most likely to um, enjoy that watch have watched and enjoyed it are actually people who hadn't ah. been to the festival before, which we found fascinating. And, and but those people who had been to the festival. Um, perhaps saw it as a sort of poor relation to a natural live experience. So we, we've we've reached a new audience with the podcast, which was a uh, which was kind of an unexpected thing. But it was uh, really nice to know that we were um, reaching um, parts parts of the uh, of the community yeah. that we hadn't previously reached. And obviously, the reach of it as an online project can go much further afield um, than we, than we would um, you know those that could make it to the live festival. So it was a, a good additional. Thing. Yeah. Well, um, you've also set yourself up now for for potential uh, a potential fool that new visitors, having watched the Granitope, will expect to watch their gigs on a grand piano. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Although um, you know, in in, in we, our festival is in October, um, and it, 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 the good weather isn't guaranteed, shall we say? So perhaps having stuff that's available indoors, etc., or near a shelter is is a better idea. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's making me now think more as well about the audience so setting something up from scratch is always interesting especially if you're someone like the Watford Jazz Junction but finding an initial audience going you know this is jazz you might not have listened to it before but then watching that build over what you know over three decades how has how do you see the audience having developed over that time and have they got more savvy more demanding is it still the same vibe you know I'm just really interested in in that relationship with with ultimately the people that you're creating it for well, I sp- our approach has been um, certainly in the time I've been involved in the festival heavily since 2008. Um, so obviously not for its whole existence. Um, and you know, I think the, the mix of music has, has probably has changed over the years. But we st- still do try to have a very broad approach to programming. Um, I don't see jazz as having a sharp boundary to me, jazz has a very diffuse and a porous boundary. Um, and so 
you know, to use terms to describe this, you know, the, you know, the m music that is jazz adjacent, I like that term, that's one I've come across recently, um, or a term that um, was coined by uh, a musician friend of mine called Cora Mwamba, um, who came up with the term jazz plus. So jazz um, and, you know, improvised music, just to kind of hint at the, as I say, the sort of, the sort of it's a kind of cloud without an edge jazz. Um, I, I think some people would like to draw a sharp line around what is and isn't jazz and, and, and quite often at the festivals I've come, to, come up to say well that isn't really jazz but is it? <laughs> um, but, it but, but that's the kind of that's where that's where I'm working is is, is on people's perception as to what is and isn't jazz and I, and I think jazz, you'll, you'll probably find this that jazz is a kind of a, um, a the word jazz is a double edged sword because people think they don't like jazz um, and often we get people um, giving us feedback and saying, "Well, I don't like jazz, but I love Mars and Jazz Festival." It's so funny, yeah. <laughs> so we're, you know, it, by working in that kind of space of uncertainty about what is and isn't jazz, it, it, you know, we, we we bring more people to the music. Um, so yeah, there are, are, you know, as you would expect from a, a festival that programs a wide spectrum of music. Um, we have a wide spectrum of, of audience types, and some people are much more traditional, and they would want much more trad jazz and we, we, we will always get people saying well there's not enough trad jazz on the program um but i'm trying trying to serve a broad spectrum of people um so it's 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 you know you never keep everybody happy not everybody will like everything but i'm i'm okay with that yeah. um that's very interesting um and then so and that you may so you can see how the nature of this podcast rolls my mind just jumps around so but you said you started your association with the festival in 2008 um mm. that's very much at a time when jazz had sort of certainly around the london area gone a little bit off a, a cliff of despair and we were just about mm. to go in this fantastic decade of, of new things and tomorrow's warriors and all sorts of amazing things creeping back up mm. to the point that i mm. would describe it as like a jazz resurgence of the last decade mm. for you mm. back in 2008 were you uh looking to bring in fresh fresh stuff at that point or were you getting involved and you know just wanting to run something? How, how much of a progressive mindset have, did you have at the beginning of your tenure, and how has that altered? Well, I joined. Um, it was I'd, I'd actually started volunteering for the festival a couple of years before that, um, and in two thousand eight, the the chair at the time decided he wanted to step down, and so I stood as chair of the trustees, which I did for five years. Um, that was a voluntary role, although I was doing. As is common in, in jazz organizations, volunteers do quite a lot of heavy, heavy lifting. So I was doing quite a lot of operational stuff, financial management, etc. Um, but the, um, uh, and so I was kind of inheriting an existing organization. Um, the, there was a, a gentleman called John Quayle, um, in, on the committee at the time. And in fact, he's, he's only recently stepped down from organ, helping organize the festival. Um, and his his particular love was the much more progressive um, yeah. programming, um, and he start he um, started the festival's new new stream as we called it and still call it, um, which is our more sort of more progressive programming strand. Um, and actually, he did that um, despite some quite a lot of resistance and ridicule, in fact, from some quarters of, yeah. of, of, of the festival committee. Um, but bless him, he kept kept going at it. And in fact, some of the, you know, some of the stuff we've programmed here is, is, has been, you know, people have become extremely well known. So for example, I'm, I'm, look, I'm turning around to look at our poster wall here. Um, 
2012, um, we had Shabaka Hutchins and the Sons of Kemet. Wow. Oh, you were you were on the vanguard. Yeah. So that was kind of on a small stage in in a in the in the Royal British Legion Club um, out on the periphery of Marsden. Um, and now you know he, Shabaka is a sort of globe trotting musician. Um, you know because we're relatively small, we have to spot people kind of before the famous or justice. They're on the cusp of sudden a big success because otherwise we, would, we wouldn't be able to afford to pay them and put them on um, and we've had all sorts of successes like that we've quite a few times we've programmed artists um, who before the festival has actually fallen have ended up um, nominated for Mercury Prizes, um, MOBO Awards etc um, and it's, it's great to see our programming choices vindicated by um, by you know big you know international awards sort of thing. Absolutely. Well, well, for the record, if you want to see uh, who's going to be next, check out the Mars and Jazz Festival and, uh, and maybe get ahead of the head of the cool kids kids, so to speak. Um, yeah. So tell me about this year. Um, how did how did it all go in October? It must be a mix of nerves of bringing stuff back on. Oh God, how do we do all this? And then will the audience return? Better to describe what we the sort of festival model that had emerged and been um, you know run for a lot of years. We 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 used to have a lot of um, pub and club gigs all organised by us so you know lots of so maybe sort of um, I don't know yeah. 15 to 20 indoor venues um, small indoor venues pubs and clubs were quite well blessed with licensed premises in Marsden I'd expect nothing less of Yorkshire yes exactly and, um, and and you know lots of small packed informal gigs in pubs and clubs um, which was which is, is you know so we basically ran our own fringe um, um, at, at the festival so it was all programmed by us um, but we just you know as we were kind of we, we started work on planning for this year um, in October 2020 um, and we started you know the heavy lifting of fundraising sort of over the winter with in, in, in especially in January there was a, a major application went in and we had to come up with a believable prospect for something that could be could happen pretty much no matter what short of another map full lockdown due to covid we wanted something that was was a believable prospect and and, and i mentioned earlier we did some market research and one of the things we asked about what what people would be comfortable doing and most people the largest proportion of people were more comfortable with doing out sort of right, outdoor right. stuff and and so that that led us to the idea of putting on a um a, a big um, festival stage on the main street, Pill Street, yeah. in the middle of Marsden, um, which is what, in fact, what we did. Um, so we, we we only had indoor stuff um, in in one location, and we and we chose the largest space we we had access to in Marsden, which is some St Bartholomew's Church, which would would fit full yeah. five hundred people, but we limited it to three hundred so that people could have space and could mm-hmm. distance themselves if they needed to. Um, and uh, that was the only indoor music that we programmed this year. Um, we retained the programming on the bandstand in Marsden Park, which has been a very popular um, area of programming for some years. Then. So we have a lot of youth groups. So Musica, Musica Kirklees, which is the, the local um, music hub for music education, they put on all of, all of their jazz ensembles on that, that stage. And we had various other local bands on that stage, and there's a um, there's a sort of food and, and craft 
market in in the in the in the park as well, which is always very popular. Um, but on Peel Street, it was a we, although we've had a small um, outdoor presence on Peel Street for for some years, like you know, just a little marquee with you know with with people that them um, you know standing on on the ground and, and performing. We, we instead we put a uh, a big festival stage up, a yeah. big structure. Um, with a, a full PA and lighting rig. Yeah. And you hadn't done that before? We'd never done anything of that scale before. Um, and so we had to find people with the skills to um, production manage that and to also manage the much greater presence on the street and road closures, not just for the two days that the actual programme was taking place, but also during the build and de-rig of the, of the thing. So we had to bring in a lot of, a lot of skills that we'd not had as part of the festival before. Um, but I, you know, I had, a, I had a vision of how it could be um, and obviously a great deal of anxiety about delivering that vision. And, and actually the, the, the space in which we built the stage was a complicated, it's like a sort of courtyard next to the mechanics, which is a sloping site with steps and all sorts of things. So it was a really challenging space to build a stage like that in. So we weren't actually blocking the road. Um, but once that stage was up, I was that, that my main anxiety <laughs> on the Thursday of the festival was over, and then the you know the the quality of the the PA system was extraordinary. The the the, the sound quality was absolutely top notch, um, and we so we programmed that stage for the Saturday festival. We 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 did a stage takeover with Jazz Refresh, right. um, the London based um, uh, promoters in a record label. They they programmed the whole of the Saturday for that stage. So we had artists like um, uh, um, uh, Ruella Loro, um, we had Gary Crosby, um, we had, um, oh gosh, my, my ne- I always go blank <laughs> on names. Um, <laughs> um, uh, we, we had a fantastic uh, West African um, influenced band called Balimaya, um, lots of percussion. Um, it um, really, really, a really wonderful range of yeah, gigs, yeah, yeah. Um, and and filled the street with people listening to the music. We we were very very lucky with the weather as well. It was extremely, um, extremely clement weather <laughs> over the weekend. Yeah, well, for our international audience, it barely rains in England. You're almost guaranteed of Riviera like weather wherever you are, be that London, Watford, or or, or Marston. Yes, <laughs> uh, and then yeah. so you had the main stage. You you had the the St Bartholomew's Church. And you had the yeah. bandstand, and generally, did you see look people returning and going? Oh, thank God, you're putting on live music again, brother. We did. the 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 buzz um, in the village was oh. extraordinary. The, the the kind of real kind of festival excitement of of yeah. just music, um, you know, uh, available and, and and to be giving. Giving away effectively music of that 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 level of quality just on the street was an yeah. amazing thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, are you ready, Barney, for Chris's Marsden Jazz Festival Super Six Quiz? I hope so. I'll do my best. It's, it's coming. It's, it's unstoppable. Yeah. Question one, and it's called "Where will Barney be? Will I find Barney at the main stage with a delightful smile, or seeking out something more surprising in the church hall?" Um. Both. Um, you big cheat. Uh, well, I know that's it. Yeah, yeah I cheat. cheat. Well, yeah, because I I try to keep an eye on everything. So you'll prob you'll probably see me, you know, striding between the two, <laughs> <laughs> the two stages. It was a sort of uh, three or four minute walk between the two. So you know, I, I was I was backwards and forwards um, a, a lot. I, I I couldn't I couldn't choose. All right. Well, you're, I'm going to give you five. Question two. Caught between balls. 
Do you choose Huddersfield Town AFC or Oldham Athletic AFC? Mm, I'd have to go Huddersfield, this yeah. side of the border. You, you're on, you've got six. Yeah. Uh, question three. Yeah. Marsden Food Festival favourite. Does Barney choose dim sum, bargy, or a classic wrap? I'd go for dim sum. If oh, it was oh nice. Yeah. I'm going to give you eight. Um, other festivals are available. Question four. Manchester, mm. Montreux, or Montreal? I think I'd have to go. I'd have to go to Montreal simply because I've never been to that part of Canada before. Nice. I'm going to give you one one point eight. Uh, question five. Uh, welcome to Yorkshire. Does Barney choose Yorkshire pudding, Yorkshire parking, or just a lovely pint of Yorkshire bitter? At this time of year, it would have to be parking. Oh yes. And for those that don't know what parking is, it's a sort of sweet, treacly, sweety, yummy, cakey thing. Is that about right? Mm. Yeah, with, with oats in it. <laughs> with oats. And texture. Nice. Right, you get 10. Uh, point one, because I need to round up. Um, and finally, question six. Your choice of three fantasy trios of jazz brilliance. Who do you choose? The first trio. The three trumpets of Miles Davis, Dizzy Gillespie and Louis Armstrong. The three voices of Ella, Billy and Sarah. Or the three orchestras of Duke Ellington, Count Basie, and King Oliver. So will you go for my trumpet trio, my singing trio, or my orchestral triumvirate? I would go for the orchestras. I've got a love for large jazz ensembles. Nice. Well, you get the full 50 for that. I mean, if I tally up, and I'm just going to take a rough score there, that gives you, I don't know, let's call it 85. And if I take off, because there's quite an unnecessary length of answer on question one, but that's not the kind because then you obviously played the parking card very well. I'm going to give you 99. Thank you. I'm glad to have a positive score. It's not like uh, like QI where you can end up with a negative score. It's very rare to get negative unless you say something really wrong. Um, but of course, though, as I've always said, it's not the score that's relevant here, Barney. It's your place on the leaderboard. And on Chris's Marsden Jazz Festival Super 6 quiz, you are currently number one. Oh, wonderful. And we applaud you. Now, Bless you. my set question. Do you give people more of what they already know and like or take the risk and present something entirely new? Discuss! Um, I definitely like presenting new stuff. Yeah, constantly pushing people's perception, um, yeah, introducing people to new music. I mean, obviously, it's not without risk because you risk the existing audience saying, well, I don't like this, and it's just novelty for novelty's sake. But how do we learn... How do we learn about new music? How do we find out about new music? You know, that's yeah. What, what we, we talked about the new stream before, and and the beauty of kind of establishing its own brand um, because it has a it, it, we, we created a logo um, that relates to the new stream and, and kind of you start to create trust with an audience so that you know that you you know so that somebody may not have heard of what it of, of the, the artist, but because it's because you trust that brand and you trust the festival, you'll take a chance. And that's how you find out about new stuff. And, and yeah, you, and, and there's a risk that you may hate it or, it's a, it, it, or there's the, an equal chance that it will be the most amazing thing you've ever heard and it'll take you off an entirely new direction in your musical interest. So we, have, we, we can't take people to new places without taking risks. No, I love that. It's just a great sort of phrase that you mitigate risk by building trust. Um, and all of it to develop and, and connect and, and discover the discover the new. Have, have you ever got it like massively wrong though, where an audience has been 
almost furious with you or are people just pretty goodwill and go, ah, it wasn't for me? I've never had it where a whole audience was hated it. I think it's, you know, there's normally a sort of vocal few who will tell you that it's awful and it's not jazz. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. I think, I, you know, that's, like I say, you can't, you can't change and you can't develop without taking the risk that some people won't like it. Um, yeah. but it's, uh, you know, I, you know I, I don't like to upset anybody, but if you, you know, you can't, yeah, you, you, you have to, you have to take risks and to move forward and develop. Yeah. And I don't think you'd be very happy in jazz land if, if you wanted to upset people. I've never come across anyone in, in, in the jazz world who's not bent on helping and wanting to share music and, mm. and you know, get people to mm. connect. Good answer. Cracking. Now, top three album time. Oh, Bye. Yes. Which albums do you find yourself going back to again and again? Now, this is this is a very difficult question. A very difficult question. Oh, yes. I mean, I, you know, I... You know, it, it may be heresy to say so, but I, you know, I have a very, very broad taste in music. And if anybody ever asked me what's your favourite type of music, um, I can never actually answer that question. And, and, yeah. it, and it's certainly jazz is amongst my interests, um, but I have a, 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 an interest that go far beyond jazz. So this is a this is a quite a niche question for me. Um, so the first one is an album that I think was released in 1958. Um, the Gil Evans Orchestra is called New Bottle Old Wine. Um, and it is a, a sort of revisiting and a reorchestration of, of existing jazz tunes. Um, and it features, um, I, one of my favorite saxophonists, Cannibal Adderley, as the featured soloist. Um, but it, it's an amazing album. And in fact, I, I, I re-listened to it, um, just the other day and was struck by the incredible quality of the recording, stereo, recording um you know they really were doing it in the in the 1950s you know they you know it's it's you know it, it could it sounded so fresh and and um and and new um but like it's an absolute it's a highly energetic album it's only it's probably less than 40 minutes long actually um but i just love kind of widely playing it i always to me it always sounds like he's kind of smiling down his saxophone that that's my that's my sense it's just a sort of uplifting spiritually uplifting um music to listen to absolutely and i'm going to tell listeners for the for the fact that whilst uh barney may have had some pre-warning about the top three albums he didn't know that we were putting on the cannonball adley show with tony kofi in february but what better recommendation could you have for joining us to hear that yeah. show explosive amazingness yeah. all right so we've got one album we need two more two more um the next one is an album uh i can't remember the date of it i think it might possibly might be the late 70s um it's a, an album by Keith Jarrett. It's called Belonging. Oh yeah, nice. Blue cover with eggs on it. I don't know why it has eggs on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and it's a really, again, an, a really energetic, uplifting sort of uh, album. Um, uh, and, and again, with a, a really, a really sort of clear, um, vivid recording um, that I that I remember. Um, which stood out to me because I, I at the time I was getting really into kind of good hi-fi at the same time so it was you know it was an album yeah, that I used yeah, to yeah. kind of put on to really kind of show my equipment off to its best best of its ability but a, a fantastic album that one so you're building a very very uh, compelling trio here no pressure but what's going to be number three so number three is an album um that that is features a bass player that um if you're a music geek 
you will know is has been one of the the most successful um, British session players um, for many many years. A, a gentleman called Pino Palladino. Um, so Pino Palladino has played on you know dozens, hundreds of records probably. Um, he is he's he's particularly well known. He he plays a fretless bass. Um, and, um, and and the sound, his signature sound, um, uh, is the is the sort of chorus pedal added to the fretless bass sound. I'm always fascinated to know what session musicians play when they're left to their own devices. Um, and so I think it was last year, an, an album um, came out by um, that Pino Palladino with did in, in collaboration with another writer called Blake Mills. Um, yeah. called Notes with Attachments. And it's some of the most fascinating music I've heard in a very long time. Very sort of oblique. It feels like it kind of goes on in in your peripheral vision. It's it's not in your face. It's kind of a much more subtle and it's one that definitely um, that take, you know, um, benefits from re- repeated listening and you kind of get, get further yeah. and further into it. So I've really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, un- unsurprisingly, I think Dan Casimir was mentioning that album excitedly. I'm not sure when we spoke to him whether or not he'd heard it yet, but he was either looking forward to it or just heard it and was raving about it. So it is not without other recommendation from other great bass players of our time. Dan was one of the musicians involved with our Chronotope, um, Chronotope series. Yeah, we love Daniel we Casimir. We do love Daniel Casimir. It's a good man. Yeah, I, f- I first heard him playing, in fact, at Marston. Um, he came with Jean Toussaint. Um, was playing oh, nice. bass with him, and I was like, "Who, who is that on bass?" You know, when, he, when they started playing, and I've got to know him quite well. And, and, it, and it, it's there's a possibility I was t- uh, talking to Dan about that very album, so it might, it might be me that introduced <laughs> introduced him to it. I might well be. Now you spoke about fretless bass players. You also had Shree up there, didn't you, in October? How did that go down? He was playing with Dennis Rollins, right? It went it went brilliantly. I mean, so Shree's bass playing technique, as you say, he plays a fretless bass, but he he as a child learnt the tabla um, and brings um, you know a lot of aspects of tabla technique to his bass playing so it's a very unusual um, bass technique he has um, and it was a you know it, it, we, that was we put that on in, in St Bartholomew's Church so it was a very kind of spiritual um, vibe that they created um, Dennis is um, it's, that, that's actually the first time that Shree's played with us Dennis Rollins being a Yorkshire lad has played um, with us many times um, and is in fact is a patron of Marsden Jazz Festival so it was lovely to have him back um, and to see the you know just the joyous relationship between those two on stage quite a lot of sort of banter and humour um, just a really lovely gig yeah. Fantastic Right it is time to sort our house band it's the moment that many may have been looking forward to um, and a band that I describe as the most eclectic and extraordinary fantasy band in podcast show business right now don't worry about trying to remember all these, but we've got Jerry Allen on the piano, we have Paul Motion on drums, and Ron Matthewson on bass. We've then got Alex Garnett on tenor, Joe Tempoli on bass saxophone, John Hassel on trumpet, and Mark Nightingale on trombone. So we've got a four people front line. We've then got Norma Winston, Carmen McRae, and Betty Carter on vocals, plus Alice Coltrane on harp. Now, Believe it or not, that's 11 players, um, and we're at risk of bankrupting the fantasy bank account again. Um, But your task, Barney, is to remove one of those musicians if you fancy, but bring in a new player, and they can be from any point in jazz history. 
who, how, what would you like to do to the Fantasy House band? Right, that's a, that's a very interesting question. Um, I think I would replace Paul Motion on drums. Right. I would love um, to put in his place Eddie Wahili Hick. So Eddie, um, Eddie, I first heard at Marsden, I, and I think he, I think he was still a student at Leeds College of Music at the time, playing in the Riverhead yeah. Brewery Tap. Um, one of our the, the venues that we've used many many times at the festival, um, a gig with a, um, a, a, a guitarist called Graham Garside, um, who's actually now a doctor. <laughs> He's a medical doctor rather than a jazz musician, a professional jazz musician. But Eddie was playing drums for him, and I was absolutely mesmerised by his playing. So this must have been 12, 13 years ago, maybe. Um, mesmerized by his playing and just his kind of whole demeanor, just this sort of in the zone of playing, but just such a such a, a musical, compelling drummer, amazing. Well, I love it. So Eddie is officially in the band, um, and who knows what will happen in the future. Um, so moreover, Barney, thank you so much uh, for taking the time out to be with us today. My pleasure. Um, other than having a good rest over Christmas, what are your plans in the coming months? And is there anything exciting to look forward to next October? Um, I'm, I'm always careful to commit to what, what will actually be happening. Um, that is simply because we have to fundraise every year for Mars and Jazz Festival. I often describe it as, as pushing a very heavy rock up a very steep hill for 362 days and then letting it roll all the way back down to the bottom over the course of three days and then repeating the same the following year um but um you know we of course whenever we do anything successful people want it to want us to repeat it so it is our definitely our ambition to repeat the the new pill street stage um, although how how we're going nice. to pay for it is 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 yet to be <laughs> yet to be confirmed Oh, don't worry. There are many, 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 many wealthy and attractive people that listen to the Watford Jazz Junction. Almost certainly, if we put the word out that you that you need a few thou to erect a stage, yeah. you'll find a benefit. That'd be brilliant. I'll look, don't I'll panic. look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I promised uh, Greg Fota a Steinway Grand Piano a couple of episodes ago, and I assume Excellent. that that's now happened as well. So, but yeah, so hopefully you'll re- redo the new stage. And will you add in, depending on where we're at with COVID, look to add in some of the other venues again? I think I do, well, what, what, one of the things that happened this year, obviously, by, by creating a change and, and not programming our own fringe, we created kind of a vacuum. So a new fringe festival yeah. that was independent of us actually emerged this year. Uh, and, and in a way, huh. that kind of worked well for the, the smaller venues because they could organise that with a yeah, much shorter lead time. Because, you know, w- w- with us, we're yeah, trying yeah. to put things out, publicise things well in advance. Um, and, so, and so the two mm. coexisted quite well. So, you know, you know, the, you know get, improving the offer within Mars and the live music um, and the festival itself, enabling the Fringe Festival to exist alongside it and a load of extra gigs to be put on. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops. Um, we, I think we will yeah. probably do, um, well, we'll almost certainly we'll do, we will do one more, uh, at least one more in, indoor venue as a sort of headline stage. Um, the Mechanics Hall, which is kind of the spiritual home of the Jazz Festival, which was our main headline, our only main headline venue for many, many years. Um, we will yeah. reestablish music in there. Um, but it's, it's, it's been kept, it's just been, careful i mean one of the benefits from 
simplifying effectively our festival offer was that it was easier to navigate as an audits member you know because we you know we were previously we were offering pe people a, you know a lot of choice you know how do, how do I decide what to go to so it kind of the sim sim clear clarifying and simplifying the festival offer actually helped people kind of navigate the festival as well so that was a we, we need to just think carefully about how we capitalize on that in the future nice uh, and if people want to uh to keep up to date with you just go to mars and jazz festival on on, on the on, on the on internet the web, right? so yeah we have marsandjazzfestival.com is our website at mars and jazz on twitter at mars and jazz on instagram mars and jazz festival on facebook mars and jazz festival on youtube you know just type in mars and jazz festival on google so you'll find something you know <laughs> <laughs> yep well, wicked man. Well, we 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 will keep up to date with your news and uh, wish you well with your your Sisyphusian task of yeah. of funding uh, and cross all our fingers for you. Um, if you've liked what you've listened to, which of course you have, do not forget to subscribe on whatever player it is you're listening to us. Um, and if you'd like to know more about Watford Jazz Junction, check out our website at watfordjazzjunction.com or follow us on our various social. Um, I think we're even on TikTok, Barney. Not showing. Are you? Well, yeah, but, you know, who is really? it? All, that's where all the cool kids are. Yeah, well, my kids are, and they're addicted to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. Uh, next mm. time, we're in conversation with the cellist, Ayana Witter-Johnson. Uh, but until then, it's goodbye, lovely listener. It's goodbye, Barney. Goodbye. Lovely to meet you. Stay safe, and always remember to connect with something new. Bye. Bye.